Kate. Superman oh, God, won. I'm so sorry, Mr. Ghost of John well- Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kersher and Wendy Bowlesby. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. This is Melissa Kersher. Wendy is not here at the moment, but you'll hear her voice shortly. You'll know why she's not here in a second. Uh, What we're doing this week is our first off-topic episode. As you probably realize by now, Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome is very heavily edited. Uh, That means a lot of audio footage goes away before you hear it. It falls on the cutting room floor or digital cutting room floor. I don't know why we still use those analogies. Anyway, uh, given what you've heard us do in the episodes that make it on the air, like eat tortilla chips and spill wine on the computer, Wendy announcing she wants to go to the bathroom, you can probably imagine the sort of stuff that winds up getting edited out. But anyway, sometimes the stuff we edit out is pretty good. It gets cut because it's too long or because it has nothing to do with what we're talking about that week or because it has nothing to do with movies. This episode is cobbled together from all those bits. That means what you're going to hear this week is even more disjointed than usual because it comes from all the previous episodes and we're just hopping from topic to topic. You will hear the audio quality vary. You will hear our levels of drunkenness vary. Uh, you'll randomly hear the voices of Tim Wick, Romeo Azar, and various cats. Uh, you'll hear Tim Wick a lot in particular because about half the clips came from the Oscars night session. So sit back with your beverage of choice and please enjoy our first off-topic episode. And did I ever tell you the story of the first time I ever watched Nosferatu? <laughs> no. <laughs> and because you mentioned Netflix and they sent it to you back in the days when you actually got films from Netflix. And I suppose you, people still can. I still do. Okay, but we don't anymore. Yeah. That's okay, not, so. hold on. The Herzog? Nosferatu or the Murnau. The The Murnau. Okay. Okay. So I had never seen it. And so I asked for it to be sent to me by Netflix. Okay. And it showed up. Hello, Murnau's Nosferatu. And I'd seen every famous clip of it. And I'm like, I should watch this film. And I looked at it. And on the jacket that they gave me, it told me that it was only like 70 minutes long. (laughs) I I know, right? But that meant that I'm like, oh, it's only 70 minutes long. And I got this crazy idea for, I don't even remember why, that I was going to wake up early and watch it before I went to work the next day. Oh. So I got up, I got ready, and I popped it in. And I'm like, okay, 70 minutes, and then, you know, and then I'll go to work. And it gets to about 40 minutes, and it's and it's clearly not anywhere yet. <laughs> and I'm just like, what the hell? This is supposed to be getting done soon. 
So I started, I put it on fast forward because the silent film screens, I can read a lot faster than they can. So I put it on fast forward. And the first time I watched Nosferatu. You're was, a terrible human being. Winnie. It was on fast forward. And there was something delightfully Benny Hill about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen Mark of the Vampire, right? Oh yeah, that's oh, what made me want to yeah. see Nosferatu because I had oh, seen, I had seen that, and I was like, well, now I need to see Nosferatu like for reals. Except I didn't for reals because I watched it on fast forward, and I might as well have been playing the. Yeah, I, the problem is that I'm not a big. F- uh, Maybe this makes me a bad film geek. I'm not a big fan of Woody Allen films. I like his films better when he's not in them. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm That's kind of... That's more and more common these yeah. days. Well, I'm, yeah, thank I'm God. Kind of, I'm kind of uh, with you on Woody Allen, because there's there are certain themes that occur in each of the films, and I'm just kind of tired of... There's a real misogynistic streak in his films. Yeah, yeah. Women don't do well, and women get... <sighs> women and, get idolized in a weird way and of course when he's in the film he's always hooking up with some really hot young thing and it's gotten increasingly creepy yeah well it was always creepy and it's just gotten well worse. now that he's a little gnomey troll looking man it's yeah. just like <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to nobody wants to picture you having sex let alone yeah. with that with a really hot chick but even beyond that i mean he's always you know, Purple Rose of Cairo notwithstanding, but there's kind of this... All of his characters kind of come from this... Uh, come from sort of... At least a sort of privileged background. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's the... You know, not... There's nobody middle class in his movies or below. And there's there's just a whole lot of sameness there for me. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, and, I really and like there's also a lot of neurosis, and I don't like to watch that much neurosis all the time. Yeah. I really liked Midnight in Paris. Midnight I in Paris. I still was haven't okay. seen that, and I really wanted to because I liked the premise a lot. Oh, no, no. I yeah. thought, I, I love, okay, it's unfair. I loved Midnight in Paris. Mm-hmm. Loved Midnight in Paris. I thought it was awesome. I could watch it over and over and over again. The best thing you could ever tell me about a Woody Allen film is you won't notice it's a Woody Allen film. <laughs> Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but it is very different from most Woody Allen. Films. It looked a lot more light, lighthearted. It yeah, it is more lighthearted. It it, it does go. It, Purple Rose of Cairo is a is a lot of fun too, and it's very much in that vein. Okay, because I really love Purple Rose of Cairo was the first Woody Allen film I saw that I loved. Yeah, yeah. that I was like, oh, okay, you you can make films that I that I go yay. Yeah, but Woody <laughs> Allen does have a style that either works for you or doesn't. And I mean and. And any hall, yay. But but it still wasn't better still, than Star Wars. I mean, come on. I think we can all agree uh, with that. Yeah, you know. yeah. So let's talk about Frozen for a minute, because I really do like Frozen. <laughs> I, uh, I'm out, because I haven't seen it yet. Okay. No spoilers, please. I could get oh God, you an there alcohol. Are be, there are going to be spoilers. God <laughs> damn it. Because I got it, because a friend of ours uh, on, on Facebook went to see this movie with her daughter. Uh-huh. And her daughter apparently was bored. Her daughter's like four, something like that. That's um, really weird. Three, three. Three, I could understand. Okay, so her daughter's like three. She went and her daughter's bored and she's watching the movie. She gets two-thirds through the movie. She decides, and this friend's a feminist, she decides, not that that's a bad thing. <laughs> 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 I'm, just, 
Like, that sounds terrible. Oh, that God, Tim. And my friend decides, because she's a feminist. This friend, so she's watching it, and she's seeing all these these tropes. Mm-hmm. And she's she gets to the point where she literally walks out and goes, well, I just know how this is going to end. Oh. And it's like, oh. you don't. That's why you it's so don't. good. You, do, you, you sit there and go, well, it's all going to end as all these princess movies do. And it's all about the girl getting the guy. And it's like, no, you totally missed the part of the movie that changed everything you thought about what it was going to be. Because I watched the movie thinking the same thing. I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh really? They're, they're, oh, there's the boyfriend character. Okay. We saw Frozen without Chris. I don't mm-hmm. remember how that worked out, but we saw Frozen without Chris. Probably even like twice. And then we finally took Chris, my husband, to see it, and he was delighted by it. He was so mad when he found out about Prince Hans and what he was really like. Because, in his words, but he sang that really adorable duet. That's not fair. You don't get. You don't sing a song that great and then turn out to be a bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I have to say, when I saw it, I was like, "I'm gonna go see it. I'm not excited about it. Teddy will like it." But it didn't sell me, and partially because of that stupid snowman, which just looks so shrek. The trailers put too much of the snowman in the movie, and he comes off very shrecky. And in Mm -hmm. fact, he's not remotely sarcastic. He's I, I endearingly thought I was gonna, naive. I thought I was going to hate that snowman with a passion. Yeah. And I liked him. He's, and that he's my really favorite, surprised me. He's one of my favorite parts. It really surprised me. Chris picked it out immediately. It wasn't until he pointed it out to me when you first meet him. And they keep asking him questions. Did Elsa make you? Yeah. Why? Do you know where she is? Yeah. Why? Can you take us there? Yeah. Why? and they never answer why and he's just so patient with them it's like hello my name is Olaf and I like warm hugs Olaf and you are I mean he's just he's so good hearted and willing to put up with so much BS from these people around him who he's like really were you raised in a barn come on get some manners well, we, mm-hmm. we talked about this a little bit. Wonder Woman is essentially a hollow character. The reason why they don't have really... The problem they have with Wonder Woman is there's not really a character there, and every writer who attempts to write her comes up against that problem. Of yeah. There's a whole canon, but there's no actual story. So mm-hmm. they have to be the one to put a story on it, and they're worried they're going to pick the wrong story, and it's not going to work. Well, maybe. There's, there, there's a much longer argument about it. it. But yes... You need a Frank Miller to come in and write that comic and then go, Oh, Thank dear you. God. Not, not Frank, Frank Miller. Miller. But not. Not, not Frank Miller. <laughs> no, no, what I'm talking about is the way Frank Miller reimagined Batman as the Dark Knight, yeah. really yeah. reinvigorated that character. You need yeah. somebody like that to come in. Not Frank Miller. Not Frank you Miller. You need somebody to come in and reimagine Wonder Woman in a much more modern, fleshed out, psychological way. Yeah. And then once you do that, then I think all the writers in Hollywood would be like, Thank God, somebody did the work. Now I'm willing to write it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hard to believe that now, there isn't a writer who's not willing to take $200,000 dropped on their desk to write a Rotten Wonder Woman movie. But Yeah. Now dialing Gail Simone. Yeah, well, <laughs> then you'd have to hire a female writer. Why would you do that? Yeah. Or a female director, and they don't do that either. Did you guys see the Decades. an mm-hmm. interview that went up uh, uh, um, Olivia Wilde? Yeah. yeah. And she talked about doing a reading 
of a movie, and I forget which film it was now. Yeah, it, it, it didn't matter what the, they, a they whole swap, group of them. They swapped take the a classic, a classic Hollywood movie like we'll pick one like Casablanca, uh-huh. right? And they do a staged reading of it, and then one of these staged readings, they just for the fun of it switched switched all the the. Gen- the, Jesus. Sw- swap the gender of all the roles. Thank you. <laughs> and the men were bored. The men were bored because they didn't have anything to do. And the women were like, yep. <laughs> yeah. Kind of yep. sucks, don't it? Yeah. yeah. It kind of sucks when you're... I get you're... to wait around until a man decides he wants to talk to me and I'm useful. And then I help him. But that's all I do. Yeah. And, and there are all these great actresses. I mean, all the actresses nominated this year. Very, very good. Very talented. And... They're just waiting for roles because nobody's writing them. You know, you got you, you get lucky when there's a book like The Hunger Games th- that suddenly, boom, you have to have a female in the lead because that's the book. And the fans of the book are going to throw a big fucking hissy fit if it Katniss was, Everdeen is a guy. It mm-hmm. was a huge year for women in film in terms yeah. of female-centric films made tons of money this year and i like i said i just can't wait to see what wrong lesson hollywood's gonna learn yeah it it was the great triumvirate of the hunger Games sequel of gravity and frozen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. massive year i mean if there was several months there where when you went to the theater the films that everyone was going to see on that marquee were women it was yeah. like, I want to, and people were talking about women film, women film, women film. And like, nobody oh. said, I don't want to go see Gravity because there's a woman in the lead role. And nobody said, yeah. I don't want to go see Hunger Games because I don't like women as action stars. That's ridiculous. Why would why would you do that? Yeah. And the, the interesting thing about that is the lesson that they should learn is there was no public outcry based on the gender of the lead. Mm-hmm. Nobody cared. They wanted to go see a well-told story. Uh, so I just watched a Punishment movie, actually, just yesterday. Molly. Molly. Yeah? Yeah. Molly found a, what? Is a 1999 film starring Elizabeth Shue. Oscar winner. Oscar winner Elizabeth Shue. No, she's never won an Oscar. She won for she Leaving won Las Vegas. Las Vegas oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. She, so she did. <laughs> Oscar winner Elizabeth Shue and, uh, and Aaron Eckhart, Oscar nominee. Aaron Eckhart. Eckhart uh-huh. In a film that is uh, the worst possible combination of Awakenings and Rain Man. Oh. Good God. You can imagine. Oh. In which Elizabeth plays oh. a 28-year-old autistic uh, young woman who has to go live with her brother, Aaron Eckhart. And uh, there is some uh, interesting experimental, uh, some sort of experimental <laughs> brain surgery that causes her for the middle third of the film to become not autistic. But then, uh, then at the end of the film, she reverts, just like, just like in Awakenings. And to describe it is, is really not to do the film justice because it is, well, let's just, um, so I've got, uh, I've got two kids who are both uh, on the autism spectrum. And if you know anything about autism and you watch, watch this movie, <laughs> they get nothing about autism right. Not a thing except the pronunciation of the name. Autism? They actually say autism correctly. I'll well, that's good. That. It's more than M. Night Shyamalan managed with Avatar. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's terrible. And I got, I got gifted that movie and then had to watch it because... Cargill. 
Cargill, our friend uh, C. Robert Cargill. So, that, that motherfucker. He's an asshole. <laughs> so, yes, Robert Heinlein's novels, there is a point in his novels where they start traveling to fictional worlds, right? Mm-hmm. With their magic time machine transporter thing. And they're like, you know, what would be cool is if we could go to like Oz and all these other places. If I had access to that, I would totally be like, Nick and Nora Charles, you come here now. I want to party with you. You bitches are good stuff. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me of the time at Con when Kenneth Height was the guest. And I went up to talk to him. And I just failed my conversational role. Like, I went up and I threw a zero I just barfed all over and I wandered away. I came back to Chris and I'm like, I want to talk to Kenneth Hyde and I can't talk. I have no conversation. Help me. I want to talk to him because I think he's cool. What can I talk to him about? And Chris said, apparently he likes Bollywood. And I went, yes, really? And then I went back and things got immediately better. Yeah. Right. And Kenneth Hyde is delightful. Hello, Kenneth. Ken's a sweetheart. I love Kenneth. Every time I go to uh, Chicago, he demands to have dinner with me. It's great. (laughs) I demand you come and have dinner with me. And he always gets me to the greatest places in Chicago. That's the best. If if you ever have a chance to have dinner with Ken Hyde, he will find the best restaurants ever. Clearly, when I go to Chicago next time, I need to be like, yo, Ken. Yes. Yes, you need to. Okay. He is a master of finding great places. For those in of you who don't know Kenneth Hyde, he is a horror writer. Yes. And a game designer. And a game designer. And he is a delightful personality and you should look up you should look up and seek out Mr. Kenneth Hyde. H I T E. And he is smarter than everybody. He's quite quite well read. Yes. Yeah. I quite enjoyed. It. He knows more about Bollywood than I do, which yeah, yeah. which well, I'm not well, saying really, I'm sort of expert. Actually, just like, the, I the, felt like the master of Bollywood is his wife. Mm, mm. Yeah, he he gets it from her. Yeah, and Sheila is the master of Bollywood. Oh, she's They're brilliant. Really, you you cannot go into a cage match with Sheila. No, and, no, 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 on no, Bollywood no. and win against her. I bow down to her. I bow. <laughs> I fully bow down. Whoa, Sheila's amazing. Yeah. Okay. okay, but we got uh, way off. Oh, totally way off. But I'm still going to talk about Ken Height because I've been to his house. Mm. Okay, so Ken Height, author, game designer, married to Sheila, who is a librarian. They have this beautiful little row house in the old Chicago neighborhood where Obama used to live. Oh. Yeah, like Obama and Barack Obama used to live blocks away from them. And this beautiful little row house I've been to and, and slept in the spare bedroom. And every single wall in this row house is lined with books. I want to the, read it all. So you go into the main room, and the main room is lined with books. And the kitchen is lined with books. And you go upstairs and like, the bedroom, and the bathroom is lined with books. And you go into the guest room, and it's lined with books. And there's a third level, the basement... Which is the library. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the library is not lined with books, ironically. It, it, it's, it's lined with books and also filled with books. Like there are rows of shelves 
in between all the linings of books. But the thing is, if you stay in Ken Hyatt's house, if you stay in the guest room, you're required to take one of the books in the guest room. I want to go there. I know, you should. So my other anecdote about Showboat is <laughs> in the 90s, I got gift certificates for seeing a show. And we decided to go see The Kiss of the Spider Woman, my roommate and I. That's an interesting show. Yeah, that is an interesting... And yeah, I never got to see it live because... Oh. I thought it was at the Ordway, but it, in fact, it was at the Orpheum. And so we drove all the way to the Ordway, which was showing showboats. For those who do not live in the Twin Cities area, the Ordway and the Orpheum are in two different cities. <laughs> yes. So Twin we, Cities being two different cities. One on one side of the river and one on the other. And if you go to one, one of those theaters thinking you're going to see a show, you usually do not have time to go back to the other. Which is what happened. Yes. We drove all the way to the Ordway, walked into the lobby and went, looked up at posters of Showboat and went, wait a minute. <laughs> what a cheat. And then we now, was that the run with Cheetah Rivera? Yes. Fuck! I saw that one and it was fantastic. So we made jokes like we had seen it. We talked about <laughs> Cheetah Rivera as if we had seen it like she twisted her ankle in the second act, but she kept on going. And God what, damn it. And what my roommate and I giggled over for a month solid was, what a trooper. <laughs> <laughs> Nowadays, everything that's even mildly thought of being an Oscar contender gets sandwiched into the last couple months of the year. Because that's the stuff that gets remembered by the time the ballots roll Except around. for the animated films. Unless Except for the get, animated unless films. Unless they get surprised. Gravity came out quite a bit earlier yeah. than right at the end of the year. But it did so well that it couldn't, that, that it just had legs yeah. that, that got to that point. Yeah. Yeah, so that, did, the, the fact that it made an ass load of money tends to help memories. But yeah, yeah the, timing of, the timing of when a film comes out makes a big difference. Like 12 Years a Slave, when it came out, everybody said Tweedle was going to get the Oscar for sure. And had it come out in Oscar season, he probably in, the, in December, he probably would have with no problem whatsoever. But Dallas Buyers Club came out later in the year, so Matthew McConaughey starts to develop to generate a whole lot of buzz. He picks up some awards, and everybody forgets about Tweedle's performance. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was a good comedy this year? I can't even think of... What I've seen this year that was, like, hilariously funny. <laughs> Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf of Wall, Wolf Wall, Street. Wall Street was pretty funny. I, I laughed a lot at that film. There's yeah. a lot of funny in Philomena. Yeah, but it's not a comedy comedy. No, yeah. no it's not. It's a, it's a dramedy. I don't know. God. I don't what, think this year were there was, any, I don't know that there were comedies this year. I don't know were that there? this year was a great comedy year. But there yeah, are great kind of, comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why, you know, a standout like Bridesmaids or Hangover, a comedy that you remember, and you're like, that was a really great comedy. And it's never going to get, you know, the cred of uh -huh. the Oscars. And it's a shame. Instead, it gets an MTV award or some bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. You'd get, like, well, a film. Because I used I remember... Look at the nominees for Best Makeup this year, which were really, really odd. Well, you know, makeup's had... a weird category. Yeah. Well, it is, and the the way that all of these films are nominated is odd because it's it's usually the branch of the Academy that uh, is specifically involved in that particular category does the nominating, and then everybody votes for the winner. So you know, then you've got Dallas Buyers Club, which I mean, it had 
good makeup of people dying of AIDS. I mean, it, it was good makeup, but it seems odd in a category that's about a lot more flash. Uh, you know, you ask why, you kind of wonder why, well, why didn't, like, Desolation of Smog get a makeup nomination? Because regardless of what you think of the film, the, the there's some makeup pretty freaking amazing makeup going on in that film. But and, and they've got to do it in front of HD cameras. Yeah. Yeah. So high frame rate, high H- frame rate, HD cameras. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, you kind of go, well, I'm glad that they recognize that makeup is about more than just prosthetics and flash and flash. On the other hand, you kind of go, well, where's the really hard makeup work in this category? And yeah. it feels like it's kind of ignored. Okay. So what about the acting awards? What about them? Thoughts. They were, well, we talked about McConaughey. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though I would have given it to DiCaprio. Um, yeah. I felt bad for McConaughey's speech. I think I want to be generous about what he was trying to say. Like, you know, I'm my own hero, only it's me 10 years later. I think he's trying to say something more like, I always strive to be the best version of myself. And my goal is to look 10 years out and, and think, what could I be and how can I make myself be more awesome except it came out really self-serving and aggrandizing i just felt like he was auditioning to be a motivational speaker yeah he, it, he actually he, i think he, he did a better jordan belfort than leonardo dicaprio <laughs> yeah we had some genuine jordan belfort on stage tonight i just wanted him to pound his chest and start doing like a little chant uh, 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 yeah uh, yeah that would have been great <laughs> god bless them in their faith but i really get uncomfortable it's one thing to say i bless the lord or you know because of my faith thank you jesus but it's another thing to go on uh, about it it's uncomfortable for me well you know when you when you look at it that way you got to be happy that the next person to stand up there and accept one award is brad pitt and he's a very open atheist so mm-hmm. uh you know it all evens out <laughs> <laughs> pretty sure kate blanchett is probably an atheist too at least the odds are for it she's english yeah. Um, well, if you're raised in that society, you give up on any idea of God really quickly. <laughs> yeah. We haven't talked about Jared Leto. Is, Leto. I want his is last name Leto? to be. I want Leto. it to. I want Leto. it to be Leto. I really want it to be Leto. But that's because I read. I just want to call him Duke Leto and yeah, Duke Leto. Duke Leto and and go all Dune on this shit. Yeah, I read a lot of <laughs> of Frank Herbert, so it's. I'm yeah. like Leto. Why would you pronounce it Leto? I don't know. I, don't I, know I just want him to get a haircut. So, but Dallas Buyers Club got both the acting yeah, Dallas Buyers Club is really good and once again of transformative performance when you physically transform yeah. you get noticed by the academy it's yeah. really good of a certain type of movie you know it's the, the, it's that the gay of, activist movie it's the kind of movie that the academy likes well except Matthew McConaughey's character is of course a homophobic asshole it doesn't matter we've had that before with Philadelphia yeah with Denzel yeah. Washington who also won an Oscar because apparently you do, you can win an Oscar if you play a homophobic asshole who grows to respect gay people. Not necessarily not still be a homophobic asshole. Yeah. Maybe a little less. A little bit less. Of a I feel like asshole. the gay empowerment film is sort of its own genre and it almost feels a little dated. I mean, but I, everybody talks about the movie as this is an important story that's never been told. Well, it has been told in documentary form. There yeah. have been documentaries about that whole situation. Yeah, and I, I feel it, 
then again, well, maybe other people aren't as educated or, I mean, yeah. I read a lot of nonfiction about topics that interest me. So I knew and I'm aware of the fact that the FDA doesn't approve drugs that it can't make money off of, basically. That, that's true, although as a skeptic and as a uh, as, as a, somebody who, who's not a big supporter of woo medicine, there is certainly some homeopathic solutions that are going on in that movie that bug me a little bit. Yeah. When it's like, well, this isn't FDA approved. It's like, yeah, but it's also a homeopathic remedy and there's no proof that it works. Then again, and if you're dying, you're going to try anything. Sure, and, I, and maybe it did work, but... The, the movie very carefully doesn't try, doesn't spend any time really telling you whether or not the stuff that they're doing is is working. I mean, it doesn't... It kind of doesn't matter. The point is that yeah. these are people who are trying to take control of their situation in whatever yeah. way they can. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's actually a really good documentary about that whole situation called How to Survive a Plague. It was nominated last year yep. for Best Documentary Feature. And it was about and, the, the outbreak yeah. of the AIDS epidemic. It, it was amazing. It was did amazing. It, did it include stuff about the Buyers Clubs? Yeah. Because the Buyers Clubs, I mean, the idea behind the Buyers Clubs is really interesting. There's all these drugs that they won't approve in America, so they would go down to, uh, to, to Mexico and import them. But you can't import them for sale. So what you do is you create a club. And you buy a membership in the club for, in this particular instance, it's $400. You spend $400 a month and you get all the drugs you want for free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not selling the drugs, you're only selling the membership. Uh, and of course that works for a while and then it doesn't. Yeah. But because, you know, if you're going to find a way around the system, the system will eventually find a way. To screw you. To block it. And it's uh, a good movie. It, it is a good movie, and, and McConaughey's performance is exceptional. McConaughey is a really good actor, so... He's really reinvented himself recently. Yeah, well, I mean, I think... He, I mean, because he, he, was, he was blown off as sort of a second-rate leading man, and kind of cheesy, but he's been making more interesting choices. Yeah. And allowing, allowing his kookiness to guide him a little bit more and it's worked in it to his advantage because being a little bit kooky is a lot more interesting than being a second rate leading man yeah and he's just a, the, the nice thing is he does a really great cameo turn in Wolf of Wall Street as well uh-huh. and so you know to me there's a little bit of recognition of both of those roles and that often is the case in, in acting awards where an actor will be in multiple films and do a really good job and the recognition will kind of be for multiple roles in that particular year. Hello, listeners. This is Melissa again, and I'm just popping in to say that the next clip refers to the movie Wolf of Wall Street. We don't say the title of the movie early on in the clip, so I just didn't want you guys to be confused because this episode is confusing enough, I'm sure. The perfect moment in that film is is right at the, right by the end when our main character is about to go off to jail and we see the FBI guy, who is the good guy in this movie. Mm-hmm. He's like, the good the guy. the only one. <laughs> he's the good guy in this movie. And he's riding home on a subway train. Mm-hmm. And in that one shot, you uh-huh. understand what we in America value. Uh-huh. And we value the crook who makes millions. We over admire the dude. him. We look up to him, we glorify him, we emulate him, we want to be him. And then you make a movie like that where you point it out and, oh, you're glorifying him. No, that's you. 
That's you. Yeah. And that's the problem. Because look at the guy who's riding home on the subway. And he's and he's always going to be struggling to make money for his family. He's always going to have to ride home on the subway. He's never going to be able to stay to live to live on a in a beautiful penthouse apartment or or do any of these things that Jordan Belfort took for granted. He is the hero, and this is how we treat heroes. That's that's what the movie says. And this then is at how, the end, he, of course, Jordan Belfort actually goes to jail. And he finds out and even says, of course, I found out that when you got money, even jail isn't that bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's private country club. Yeah. And, and it is it's a very clear impeachment of what we value in this country. It's not, it's not a glorification of that, that lifestyle, but you really have to immerse yourself into it. Well, that's what, what it teaches you. I think the, I think the reason I had a backlash is you watched it and you were enjoying it, and then you realized you were enjoying horrible people being horrible and kind of rooting for them. And then I hate this movie. This movie is bad. No, yeah. that's not the actual problem. It's here like we me. all wish, we all wish we had that life. Well, not necessarily that life, but how about enough money to choose? Yeah, the life we wanted. He chose that he wanted that life, but to have enough money to choose any life he wanted, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what the movie's doing. I think it's an exceptional film. A little so, long. So, so Adrian Ballou. Adrian Ballou. I, I, I do now, not know how, about this part okay, of Adrian Ballou. Okay, let's clear. Who's Adrian Ballou? Adrian Ballou is an amazing guitar player, yep. like avant-garde. And what band is he most famously a part of? King Crimson. That's right. Okay, and King Crimson, by the way, got He's me through my... He's also playing for Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. Yes. King Crimson got me and, through my... And Laurie Anderson. Yep. Um, Indiscipline got me... Is it Indiscipline? Discipline. Discipline. Got me through my freshman year of college. But Adrian Ballou is the front man for a band, little-known band, called The Bears. Mm-hmm. And the song that was that I was introduced to them is called Fear Is Never Boring. <laughs> and needless to say, I kind of took that as my theme song and mantra for life. Excellent. Fear is never boring. If you're scared, at least things are interesting and you're doing it right. <laughs> right? I believe life should be an action verb, right? You got to be doing shit. You got to be keeping things going. All right. My poor husband has to put up with this philosophy of life. <laughs> I have seen um, Mandy Patinkin live. Ooh. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. did you see Mandy Patinkin in? I saw him live in concert twice. I even, Holy shit. I even ran up on stage and touched him. <laughs> At his invitation. So you have touched Mandy Patinkin and Vin Diesel. I have touched a lot of people. (laughs) (laughs) We we will toast to that. Let's bring this near the mic. Awesome. (laughs) As you can tell, I have the cheapest ass wine glasses. (laughs) I buy them at the thrift store for $2, and yet they work. Oh, yeah. This is hitting me about now. Right. Right. Now, yeah, right about now. Kind of, kind of fuzzy there. God bless the Scotch. Yeah, the Scotsman. The the, the I was Scotch, thinking, the, the Scots the, for coming the, up the with Scotlanders. Scotch. The Scotlander people. <laughs> Scotlander peoples. <laughs> I've been to Scotland. 
I really, I was. I was in Scotland once. Mm -hmm. I also was terribly sick with a, I was in Scotland more than once. But the first time I went, I was terribly sick with a cold. And this was after I had been to France in that same trip. And I felt more like I didn't understand what I was, what was going on around me in Scotland. <laughs> because technically they were speaking English, which meant I shouldn't have to force them to translate. <laughs> So you spent a lot of time in Scotland being kind of embarrassed. I was, when I got on the bus, first off, you pay when you get off, which seems questionable. <laughs> and second, when it's foreign money, you don't just automatic, you don't realize this, but you don't just look at the money and know how much you have in your hand. Yeah. When it's foreign money, you have to read your money. Literally like, how much is this? I don't even know. And I go to get off the bus and this bus driver is like, or something that was way too Swedish. <laughs> that, was very, that was very Swedish chef. That was a Swedish, that was Swedish chef. Shut up. I'm drunk. I can't do shit right now. He's like, and he was clearly trying to tell me how much money I was supposed to pay him, but I was sick with a cold and I didn't. And reading my money would take too long, so I just shoved a handful of coins at him, and I'm like, take what you need. <laughs> I'm like, rip me off. I don't care. What the hell did you just say? That wasn't English. I don't want to be judgy, but seriously, dude, what the hell? It was like my, my day and a half of dealing with the Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Well, when you, you take the train... But make sure you change at Club. <laughs> Actually, no, it's called Plain Name Road, but it's spelled with 500 vowels. <laughs> I know, right? It was this beautiful British accent. Make sure you change trains at Club. And I thought she'd had a seizure. <laughs> National alcohol? They should with that accent. They probably do. I mean, they're you, but nobody. They're drinks, in the UK. Nobody drinks Welshy or Welchy or. I don't. Think I, I imagine it has a name that is very complicated to spell. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what oh was God. what was the movie? But you once you said John Ritter. What, I can't remember the name, but I saw this movie also at the Cooper. The um, what was the movie where he played a superhero? Or not a superhero, but you know, it, it's him. Oh, Jesus Christ. John Ritter. Look up John. John Ritter as a superhero was... He found like a suit and he had just gone save people. Yeah, it was, it was, had, it was, uh, the, it was the, the greatest American, American hero. No, but wasn't premise, it. But it was like a hero or... Jesus. Why are we on this? We're looking... Because you said John Ritter. Because John okay. Ritter... By the way, this is the another, shit that another we dead actor. out of place. Okay. Another dead actor that we mourn his life. I yes, mourn John Ritter. John Ritter. I loved I, John brilliant. Ritter. Brilliant. He was. As Ted in Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yeah. Brilliant. Well, and also in Bad Sling Blade. Santa. Bad, Bad Santa. Bad Santa. Sling Blade? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Three's Company. Three's, oh, yeah, he was great in Three's Company. <laughs> Come and knock on our door. Right. Come and knock on Have our door. Have we told that story about the Shiza video? Oh, God, okay, I, let's talk I, about here. the Shiza video for a moment. I think we... Did we talk about that? I don't think we did. I don't think we did. I think we skipped over it. Maybe we did. I don't, I don't know. know, but if we didn't... 
it's a re it's you, those of you who okay. listen to the BNAC <clears throat> video will be like I totally know this story I'm so up on it and the rest and you'll be like I get this I know and everybody else will be like oh I don't know this story I'm totally interested <laughs> god so, damn it's it was early BNAT days, like what? This was BNAT 4. BNAT 4. You have a better memory. Hero at it was Large. Hero at Large. Oh, my God. That's the John that. Ritter film. It says yep. Romeo. It says Romeo. In. Okay, so anyway, back to the Shiza video. So it was BNAT 4. <laughs> this was back when, during the BNAT, oh, open. they would stop films for like two hours and we would have a breakfast buffet. Yeah. Because we were fucking starving by eight in the morning. Yeah. So we would. That have was a, awesome. Sh- what are you talking about? The breakfast buffet. Yeah. I know. Yes, the breakfast buffet. So was we would awesome. have a breakfast buffet. We would get our go out, get our food, come yeah. back and sit and eat our food. Right. While random shit played People on the screen. People can't see you doing the food, by the way. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm just saying. I got gotcha. you. I'm making sign language. I'm eating the food. and This is great radio with you. (laughs) Shut up. And random shit. I love podcasts with sign language. It makes so much sense. You're you're as judgy as your wife. That's why we're married. Anyway, so Tim Lee would program weird ass shit, usually Japanese game shows. So we were eating our food, and what was happening, I remember it because. I finished early and I my back was to the screen as I stood there talking to people and these people were still eating and what was happening is I could hear the Three's Company theme song playing but I was ignoring it but the people I was looking at with my back to the screen were eating and then they would look at me and then they'd look at the screen and their faces, they would freeze <laughs> with their fork halfway to their mouth and their jaws would drop and this look of consternation would come across yeah. their face as they're like, what the fuck? And then it would stop and they'd be, they'd blink and be, and then, uh, what, uh, and then they'd look it back at me and I'd be like, I don't know what just happened. And I would turn around and look at the screen and it's just Three's company playing. And and dear listeners, I was facing the screen during while this was happening. So and what what the video was was somebody had taken the credit sequence from Three's Company. <laughs> And you know how the come and knock on our door, come and knock on our door. There's wacky and, shenanigans. And there's wacky know. shenanigans, and then there's reaction shots. At every reaction shot, where where uh, an right actor be- would turn and go oh! right and before right, that action, right then the edit would happen, and it would edit into a, a German Scheiser video. Right. And, then, <laughs> and then it would edit back to the Three's Company sequence. So you'd be watching oh, it. Three kids, Three's Company, Three's Company. Shiza! Oh my god! Three's Company, Three's Company, Three's Company. Shiza! Oh my god! And so, so the people facing away would see these reactions of, ah! and then they turn around and just see Three's Company. Yeah, and so <laughs> that was my experience of every time they would make this face, I'd turn and look, oh, and it's just. The Three's Company theme song and intro, and I'm like, "What the hell is going on?" Until I, f- until finally somebody got enough language capabilities to go, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and I just turned around to watch, and then I saw what they were seeing. And now, amongst a certain subset of our social group, if you sing, "Come and knock on our door," they will just flinch really hard. <laughs> All right. We mm. should put our bumpers on this. Are we going to do bumpers while sauced? <laughs> Why not? We're just going to record them here 
And I'm going to I'll sound like Mushmouth. <laughs> and then we'll clip him out. What or is, is it Donald? <laughs> is it Donald or Mushmouth? Welcome to the Z <laughs> You're bad at this. <laughs> I, I never said I was a pro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm walking away. Mm. La la la. The, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the talking thing is kind of difficult. Right. Take two. <clears throat> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with your hosts, Wendy Bowlesby and Melissa Kirscher. <laughs> you said hosts. Hosts. <laughs> Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Wendy <laughs> <laughs> There's too much mental processing going. Processing <laughs> with the hostess. <laughs> Thank you for joining us in the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome. Our theme song was written by Tim Wick and Jeffrey Brown and recorded and mastered by Chad Dutton. New episodes up every Thursday. Also, you can find us at xanaducinema.com or follow us on Twitter. Not or, and, and bitches. <laughs> Try that again. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with the, I did hosts. Hosts. Because <laughs> it's there, it, it has words. Kersher? Kersher. Like for sure, like a valley girl. Okay, let's try it again. Welcome to the Xanadu Cinema Pleasure Dome with Melissa Kersher and Wendy Bolsby. Yay! Yay! High right. five. High five. <laughs> it only took us uh, how many? 194 measures. Seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs>